It's great to be with y'all this morning at Christ Community, and I appreciate Keith asking me to be with you. I love it when he asks me. I look forward to being here with you. And um, Friday I was with a, um, with a Christian school talking to a bunch of high schoolers about following the leader. And they were so captivated by that game of follow the leader because they are listening to so many voices. And to actually hear the option that they have to follow Jesus, they were captivated by that. And I hope that you will be captivated by what we talk about this morning. Because I want to follow the same vein that Keith was talking about in the last weeks about this joy series. And today I want to talk to you about joy of or in attaining the goal. Okay, the goal. Oh man, this, is, this has meant so much to me this week just to look at this passage of Scripture. Open your Bibles, even the app you have there, if you have the version app on your phone, open it up to Philippians, or flip it up to Philippians, chapter 3, and the Scripture I'm going to look at is chapter, verses 12 through 21. And if you know anything about Philippians, you know this is an awesome, as you've heard Keith through the weeks and talking about this whole thing, um, how awesome this book is. This is my favorite book. My favorite book. I'm so glad he asked me to be a part of it. I love this letter. Let's read this. Now, I don't have a slide for it. I want you to hear these words and follow along in your Bibles. I'm going to read from the New American Standard Version, um, which I think is God's Bible. And y'all are NIVers, and probably, and, and that's okay. You'll still get in, but I'll be a little higher. Okay, Let, here, I'm going to read it for you here. Starting in verse 12. <laughs> that's just a joke. I didn't mean to. <laughs> Thank you. I've enjoyed being with you. Okay, so here we go. Don't you bring him back. He insulted my Bible. Okay, here we go. Now that I have already obtained it, let's start over again. Not that I have already attained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet. I've read this Bible, this, these verses so much this week. I know it by heart just about. But there's one thing I do. Paul says, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And if any of you have a different attitude, well, God will reveal that also to you. However, let us keep living by that same standard to which we've attained. Brethren, join in following my example. Follow my example and observe those who walk according to the pattern you have in us. For many walk, of whom I often told you about. And now you tell, and now I tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. They're not in it like we're in it. Whose end is destruction, whose God is their appetite. They're going the wrong way, in other words. And whose glory is in their shame, and who set their minds on earthly things, not heavenly things. For our citizenship is in heaven. From which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has given to subject all things to himself. Can you hear the passion with which Paul writes this letter? Can you hear the enthusiasm from which and, and, and the drive he has in writing this to this group of people? Let's pray together and let's get going. I got a lot to say and not a lot of time to say it. And I want you to be with me on this. Be with me on this journey that I went through with this scripture this week, okay? Would you be open to receiving anything God has for you today with this? Would you? Shake your head and do this for me. Let's do it. God, we love you. Thank you for being with us. Now, as we open your word up, 
Thank you for the forgiveness that you give us for the mistakes we've made, that we can talk about you because of that. We can live with you. We can grow with you. And as I speak now, what we think about all these things, as we talk about your servant Paul and what it meant to him and what it means to us, pray that you bless all these things. Um, pray that, that what we use from this, anything we think of, would be from you now. We give it to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, have y'all ever built anything? Y'all ever had anything and you've built it? It might have been a bookcase. It might have been a picture you drew. It might have been something you did from nothing. Have you ever done that before? I've got a kid in my, in my little posse, um, four, four, four children, my little boy Eli. He's the builder. He likes to build from nothing. And for Christmas, I got him, um, he loves Legos, and I got him this Lego set called the Millennium Falcon. How many of you are Lego people? Okay, yeah, some of you are, and, and there's this thing called the Millennium Falcon, and you can build it out of Legos, and it's huge. And the age level for that's 9 to 14, Eli is 7. And so I bought it for him for Christmas. And boy, when he saw that box, he was so excited because he and I are Star Wars people. I, you know that from last time, Trekkie, Star Wars, that's the kind of guy I am. So we were so pumped. Well, well here's what happens with Eli. He bugs me and bugs me. I want to do it, Dad. Can I do it? We weren't in a place to do it. I want to do it, Dad. Wait till we get home. We get home. Can I do it? Can I do it? I said, yes, finally. I opened it up. He put it together. Took him a total of, uh, it was three days, about two and a half hours every day. So three times two, two and a half. About six hours, seven hours to do, to put it together. Here's what it looked like in the finished product right here. There he is. That's the table. He had just finished it. That was early in the morning, about 647. And he finished it. He plays with that. He, he, he loves that. He covets that. He, he, he just, he, he, he shows people that. He's proud of that. That is what Paul is when he talks to this group of people. He's proud of these people. There's a joyfulness in his writing, as you've heard Keith talk about the last weeks. There's a proudness here. This was a church he planted. This was a church he built. It's 10 years down the road. He's writing this, and, and, and he, this is the first church in Europe now, and Paul's proud of it. He's loving it, and he's writing to these people, and he's expressing to them with such enthusiasm, such passion. It's how I read it every time I read it. You read other passages, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice, I can do all things. All this stuff that he encourages these people with. And when every time I read this, I think of the enthusiasm of what he does. He feels these words. It's like an autobiography he's writing. And it begins with this first verse that he writes. And I want you to look at the first verse. Here it is right here. It's verse 12. And he says, hey, look, not that I've already attained it or have already become perfect, but I press on in order that I may lay, or if you're in an IV here, take hold of that for which also I was laid hold of or taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, that's literally grabbing you. God reached down and grabbed him. And you know the conversion of Paul. God literally grabbed him. Suddenly a light came down. He was blinded. And then boom, the guy who was fully involved in destroying Christians becomes now focused on fully devotion to Jesus Christ. Destroying the believers of Jesus Christ to being a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And even so many years down the road when he writes this letter, he's full of enthusiasm saying, I may not be perfect, may not have attained it yet, but, but I'm pressing on because I want to take hold of fully in my life the thing that God got a hold of me on. And you know what that was? That was the call to be fully devoted to him. Fully devoted, a full devotion to what God has in store for him. You see? Now it has less, now you see uh, with all that Paul accomplished, as we have these letters here, 
it's not about what he did. It's about who he was. It's about what God was becoming in him. It's about the being and not the doing. And that's what he's trying to explain to the people here. You look at his resume, my gosh, he'd be qualified for the Crystal Cathedral. You know, I mean, he'd be qualified. We go, man, you're the man. But it's not what Paul's talking about. At least not what I see him talking about. I see him talking about the inside. What God is becoming in him. The perfection that he's trying to, to attain in Paul's life as Paul is doing and Paul is living. See, it's a great thing. And, and, and he's, he's sitting here going, he's fully changed here. And, and years later, he's still not satisfied. Have you, have you seen the movie Miracles from Heaven? Who's seen that movie? It's a tearjerker, isn't it? My little girls went to see it last week. They interviewed the family from that movie. You need to see that movie. I hear it's really good. I haven't seen it yet. But those people are changed people because of what happened, and they feel God did it. Jennifer Garner played the mother in the film. She went back to church after the film, after she finished, because it had moved her. There was a change, and that change changed their life. And here's Paul writing this so many years later. He's still a change. He's saying, guys, this is what I'm telling you. Let me ask you a question. If you are a Christ follower this morning, do you have that passion that Paul talks about here? Are you as impassioned today about what God might be doing in your life, inside, and about what you're becoming in Christ? A Christ-like character? A God-pleasing character? Is that your goal in life? Is that what you want in life? Or are you more focused on the doing? Because there's a big difference. You see, there's a big difference. I pray for my own life that God never, never ends the thrust inside my soul of wanting to be more Christ-like in my life, more God-pleasing in my character. Like Paul, I may not have attained it. I may not be perfect, but my desire is there. Is your desire there? Is it there? Because I'm going to say, it's the key to what Paul's talking about here. Here's the key verse I want to focus on this morning. It's verse 14. It says, Paul's saying to him, look, I press on. I press on like he said just a minute ago, and I'm pressing on toward the goal For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. Not only am I doing it, church, I want you to do it too. I want you to have the passion for which I write this letter. I want you to have the passion and the drive that I have to be the church that you are called to be. Could he be saying that to Christ's community this morning? Could he be saying that to you? That Christ's community church is not about the doing. It's about what we're doing. The, the, women's, um, the, the women's thing starting May 1st. That's about being. You see, the song we sing. When we sing and we want, well, I love you. I'm captivated by your heart, God. I'm captivated by your love. The songs, all those being songs, they're not doing songs. They're becoming songs. I'm chasing after your heart. I'm captivated by, I want your heart. You see? Is that your goal this morning? If it's not, maybe what we talk about this morning can reignite that. If it is, maybe this can energize you. But I want to talk about this morning four things. Four things that I think will enable us to attain the goal, the upward call, the having the Christ-like attitude, the Christ-like character, the God-pleasing character, the full devotion of what's going on the inside. Look at them with me together, okay? The first one I want you to, to write down is, if you want to do this, 
You have to make God's goal in your life your goal. Now, Jeff, that's simple. It's not simple because Paul's goal in life was the same as God's goal for his life. That's what he's saying here. He's saying, my goals don't matter. God's goals do. And that's what we have to say. God, I want your goal. I don't want my goal. Okay, I want that character. I want that God-pleasing, Christ-like character. We all have goals in life. We're taught in America from an early age. Have a goal. If you plan to fail, you fail to plan. You know, strive. In America, my, the cleaner, the people I take my dry cleaning to, the guy moved over here from India because he said, I can, I can make something of my life here. I can do something with my life here. That's why we moved here. I can have goals. But they're all outside goals. What kind of goals do you have on the inside? What kind of goals are you allowing God to do on your inside? Is your ultimate goal in life the same as God's? Or is it your goals with a little God goal flavor thrown in there? You see? We, 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 we are taught we, we, we want to make money. We want to we um, do all these things in life. But really, God's goal is the most important. Um, Paul says, I press on to the goal, not the prize, because the prize comes when we hit the goal, all right? I went to Wednesday to the Masters. I, got, I won the tickets, and I took some friends. We went to the Masters. I asked Keith to go. He said no, and so I, um, I took somebody else, and so we went to the Masters, and I was there, and, and I've been there a few times, winning the tickets and stuff, and um, I'm always amazed by the, the greens and how crazy the greens are. If they were playing any other golf course, how many golfers do I have quickly? How many golfers? Oh my goodness, three of us. Okay, well anyway, so the greens, if they were playing any other, if this was any other golf course, the golfers would complain about the greens. But because it's the masters, they don't complain. And when you hear them interview after the round, very rarely will you, will you hear them say, we actually were able to hit toward the hole today. Because the greens are so hard, you can't aim for the hole. If you aim for the prize, which is the hole, you're going to miss up terribly with the way they put the holes on those greens. So what do the golfers do? The goal for a golfer in Augusta is to aim somewhere else on the green so that the ball then rolls around and gets to the prize. We want the prize. God says, don't miss the goal. You see what I'm saying? Focus on the goal and the prize comes. You see what I'm saying? In basketball, you shoot the goal, but you're not going to get the points if, until you get the goal. See what I mean? Three-pointers a little farther back. Same kind of thing here, all right? And that's what he's saying. I'm pressing on toward the goal of that call and that prize, and hopefully, you know, that sort of thing. Um, it, it was the purpose that God created us. It was the purpose that Jesus lived, suffered, and died. It was the purpose that God's spirits poured out on the world was for us so that we would have the opportunity to actually have his character in us to actually grow inside and become what God wants us to be on the inside, okay? It, it, it is, it's such a big thing. Um, this one big God thinker said this about this passage. He said, God means to make us like himself, so pleasing to himself. It has no other end than all the varieties of his gifts and bestowments, but only this, the production of his character in us. Think about this for a minute. Think about how different our life would be Think about how different everything we experience and live through in life, all the prayer requests we talked about here this morning, everything else. Think about how different it would be if this were our goal in life, our sole purpose. All the mysteries that we experience in life wouldn't seem so mysterious. All the things that were amazing in life that we experience wouldn't be so amazing in light of the fact that we think 
or we feel that the reason and what we're doing in our lives and what we're experiencing in our lives, the purpose, is so we can be more Christ-like, so that we can be God-pleasing in how we handle it. You see? The purpose of all these things in life. I think it's why God set up life. I think it's why he allows it to take place. He wants to work in us in a Christ-pleasing way, in a, in a God-like way, so that we can grow the character, you see? And then the doing takes care of itself. It, I, I, don't even know, I don't even know how to keep on going with that. I really don't. It's such a powerful thing. You know, we spend time building a house or buying a house. We spend time having a job. We spend time um, making a family. We spend time doing all these things that we have goal-oriented, that we set up as goals. And yet sometimes all those things can be very shallow if we don't look at them in the light of what God's intent is for all of those, which is to allow us and, and for our focus is to be Christ-like in them, God-pleasing in them, in our relationships, our work area, our parenting, our marriage relationships, work relationships, struggles. There's not one of us in here that has not experienced every emotion in life. Happiness, sadness, we've all experienced it. You know? And, and how much more meaningful Yes, meaningful, all those emotions are when we look at them in the light of pleasing God in them, having the Christ-like character, allowing God to grow that in us through those things. The second thing I want to mention to you is this. Focus everything on that goal. Focus everything. This is what Paul says in verse 13. He says, look, I'm not there yet, but this one thing I do. He didn't say this is one amongst many. He said this is the one thing I do. This is my purpose. This is what I do. This is, this, is what I, this is who I am. This is why I am. This is what I am. This is how I am. It's the one thing, pressing on toward the goal. Is that the way we are? Just a challenge. I asked myself that all week long as I read this scripture. Is this where you are, Heath? Is this who you are, Heath? If it's not, then I need to do some adjustments, because it ain't God that needs to adjust it's heat that needs to adjust, right? It's a, oh man, when you get your arms around this, I remember in college, man, I was going to be a music major in college, and I go in there and sit down, I'm this guy, I could sing, I could play the trumpet, I could play the piano, walk in there thinking I'm going to show everybody everything, and the professor sits me down there and says, all right, if you want to be a music major, you're going to have to start signing up for music stuff right now. And I said, what? I thought you'd complete your major in your second two years of college. He said, nope. Not going to be a music major, you do it the first year. And you got music classes, and you might as well bring your cot and sleeping bag into that practice room 304 over there where that piano is, because that's where you're going to be sleeping for the next four years. You're going to focus all your lifetime and attention on that piano. Here, go meet that piano. Martin Hamlin. Martin Hamlin's Jeffy. Jeffy Martin Hamlin. That's the name of the piano. That was the type of piano. I said, I, my eyes got about this big. It took me about a year to change my major from music to religion and philosophy. I became a music minor after that. <laughs> I thought I could handle the minor. You know what I mean? But you got to focus. The one thing. Are we focused? Are we distracted? You see? If you want to be a doctor, you got to be focused. You want to be a preacher these days, you got to be focused. You want to be anything in life. You go to a place and you focus on it and learn how to do it, and then you do it. But when it comes to our Christian likeness, our Christianity, 
Sometimes we like to rest on our amateur status, <laughs> you know, handle it here and there. But to be a professional Christian means we spend time in our life focusing on it. God, how? Why? You see? Great thing. We don't have to change in our life. The key is we don't have to go off and seclude ourselves necessarily like school, although sometimes that's a good thing to do. Sometimes we're called to do that. But what God is saying to us, okay, is that he wants to do it in the midst of our doing. But we have to focus on that. We're the ones that have to focus on. Great illustration of this. My dad and I, we were putting up this gate. We were putting up this gate on this property, and, and there was no gate there. And people were driving in there and going, yeah, Baja City. You know, it was out in secluded nowhere, and we'd have people going out trying to hunt the property and stuff. We, Sorry, sir, it's private property. And they go, oh, I didn't know that. They asked forgiveness instead of permission, you know. And so then we decided, let's put up a gate. So we put up this gate, and we have to drill these holes. Now, we're in Georgia. Have you ever been in Georgia? Ever dug a hole in Georgia? It's hard to dig a hole in Georgia. Georgia clay. I mean, you can't do it. So we had these flat bottom shovels. We're trying to, my dad was in his 70s. I was in my 40s. And I was, by the end of it, I was acting like I was in my 70s. Dad was trying to be in his 40s. And it was just, you know, it was just a crazy thing. So we're out there. It's 910 degrees right here trying to dig this hole. And we had these flat bottom shovels. And we're sitting over here trying to dig this hole, getting nowhere. Nowhere. That was flat bottom shovel. Nowhere. And oh my gosh, it was hot. And it was, I was waiting. To, you could hear dad's doing this you know we're 50 miles away from the nearest water trough and and um, I was looking for horses to go by tumbleweed so I had an idea I went to my truck I said I got an idea dad went to my truck and this is what I got out of my truck that I put at the last moment you see that thing on the right that's one of those as seen on tv jobbies and you see that top up there that little point at the very top of that roto planner right there you put it on the end of your drill and you do that right there but you do it for your garden you do it for your garden. And I'm going out there with Jordan. My dad was laughing. Son, that ain't going to work. What are you trying to do, man? We need to go in. That's not going to He was laughing. I said, wait a minute, Dad. I went out and got the drill and got that thing, went out there. and I had that same drill, that Rayobi with that 18-volt. It's not even the lithium battery. It was a regular battery. And, I was, and that little point would go right through that clay just far enough. And dad was looking at it, he was, and he was laughing, he was looking at it, he was wait a minute, wait a minute, hey, you got something there. And he comes over and I was, starts pulling up, and wait a minute, hang on, son. I pulled the thing out, I got the shovel and took the stuff out, and then keep on going, son, keep on, kept going and kept going. And by the end of it, we were able to get it done, all because of the focus of that point going into that hard Georgia clay. By the end of it, that point was not hurt at all. But can I tell you, it ruined my Rayobi drill. I had to get a new drill out of the deal. I thought that was a good deal. Dad, let's go dig another hole. No, <laughs> I like new drill tools. They're really cool, man. I got the lithium one the next time. It was really cool. Now, just like there were two things we needed here for this focus, Paul doesn't leave you stranded. You can hear this in his words. You can hear this in this whole letter. Two things to help you with your focus. Number one, you write this down extra. I don't have it on the outline. Stay close to God. Stay close to God. And the second thing, and here's the doozy, surrender everything to God. Your will, your purposes, your desires, your hopes, your plans. And with it all, ask him to help you with this focus of the Christ-like, God-pleasing character. 
We don't have enough of those in this world today. We have plenty of people wanting to do that don't have the character to back up the do. And it's what God calls us to do first, okay? Great thing. I love Psalm 27.4. This is David. David had everything. He had everything. And yet here's what he writes. He says, there's one thing, one thing. See the focus? One thing I've asked from the Lord. Just one thing I'm seeking out of everything that I may dwell in his house all the days of my life so I can behold the beauty of who he is. That's what it is on the inside. You behold that on the inside. You see, when you make his goal your goal and you say, God, I want it. I want that desire. I want that enthusiasm Paul had, see? And he, and he answers that. Write down the third thing with me. Now, this is something that Paul says to watch out for in this because he's got experience in this. He says, he wants us, he, Paul says, look, reach forward without letting that past get in the way, okay? In other words, he wants us to forget what lies behind us and reach forward toward that goal, okay? Now, here's the kicker. I don't want to get into the whole past haunting us because it does. We all have pasts of different things that haunt us. Even when we put them away and we're leaving, we look back on them. I'm teaching my little boy, Eli, how to play baseball right now. He's seven years old. And, and we're, our record right now is like one in three. But I guarantee you as I stand here today as the first base coach, first baseline coach, we would be four and oh right now if my guys could learn how to run a base. When they hit the ball, all they're interested in doing is this right here. And they're watching, uh, boy, that's going to look fun on video. They're watching the baseball. All they're doing is watching what they did. And I keep going, look this way, look this way, run, run. And, and they're watching the ball come to the first base guy, and they're getting more and more nervous, and they slow down, and they get out every single time. Can I say that all of us could learn that lesson about baseball? Because that's what we do. We try to start forward on these goals. We try to start forward on this thing that God's called. And then all of a sudden we start looking back. And it starts saying, here it comes, here it comes, to the point that it meets us somewhere and it defeats us. Now here's what Paul is saying about our past. It's not just the mistakes. Paul says, look, we've all got mistakes. That's why we're Christians. That's why God did all he did for us. So, Remember your mistakes in a way that you won't repeat them. Don't remember them in a way that tortures you. Remember to say, I got, I got tripped up there. I'm not going to do it again. Likewise, your successes. Don't look back on your successes and say, yeah, that was a pretty good time back there. I think I'll have me another Coca-Cola. You know? Because that's not, what it, that's not what we should do either. Paul's in prison. He's not satisfied. He is not satisfied. And he's saying... Don't let the past trip you up on the good things you've done with God and, you, and, you, and the mistakes you've made. Use those as spurring to continue toward that goal. Use those as motivation to say, God, you're going to do so many other bigger things in my life. I want them. I want your character. I want to become more like you, you see. And that's what he's saying right here. That's exactly what he's saying right here. One of the best illustrations I can give you is what happened at the Masters, if I can go back to that. Because I'm still dealing with that past. My favorite golfer, Jordan Spieth, had a five-shot lead going into the back. And if you're a golfer, that means shoe-in win. Except for 
Augusta. And the media and everybody, the media and everybody is, is, is writing all about him and the choke artist and all these kinds of things because a 22-year-old who won it the year before, led the entire tournament the year before and won it, came back and led it the entire year this year to the last day and made a couple of crucial mistakes that every golfer knows are made. I think he was playing me that day because one hole messes it up for me too when I play golf and it messed it up for him too. But I want you to notice a few days later what his caddy wrote about the situation. On Facebook, social media, here's the highlights. This is what he writes. Yeah, the 2016 Masters stung. Hats off to Danny Willett, the guy who won for an incredible final round. And more importantly, becoming a father that week. Danny Willett became a father that week. We've received an outpouring of support, thoughtful messages. But don't feel sorry or sad for us. We won't get stuck in this moment, nor should you. We will work harder. We will fight harder. And we will be better for it. We will bounce back as we have done many times. And at the end of the day, golf is a sport. I'm especially thankful to have an unconditionally loving wife, Ellie, my family and my friends who treat us the exactly the same way regardless of whether we win or lose. This isn't life and death stuff. There are far greater struggles that exist in this world than not winning the masters. And we are beyond blessed to do what we do. We are grateful to work alongside the greatest coaches, the greatest caddies in the world. It is a challenge we relish. And a wise coach reminded me recently that winning shows your character and losing shows all your character. Jordan continues to model the grace and humility through the wins and especially the losses. The student continues to teach the teacher, meaning he's teaching him, and now millions others about this loss. And he says, just like he did at Aaron Hills, another golf course where this caddy met him, and is how he met him was through an act of humility and grace in losing a tournament that he was ahead on, who then came back and won the next year, Jordan did, see? Jordan Spieth is the same genuine, grounded, and humble person he was five years ago in victory or defeat. Does that, sound, does that sound like someone who's going to let the past get in their way? Does that sound like someone who's pressing on toward the goal? Okay. I, I think I'm going to read between the lines with these blessed phrases and things. I'm going to say that he's pretty grounded. I'm going to say probably it ain't the media and people that are leading his life. I'd, I'd probably take a little step and say he's probably a Christian. He's probably a Christ follower. I kind of know that because I've read a lot about him and his family and his sister and all the struggles they've had in life and how he's dealt with them. That's what Paul's saying. Press on toward the goal. Don't let the past hang you up. Last thing I want to leave with you. Always remember who you are. Don't forget who you are on the outside. Gosh, if I can encourage you. Paul says this. Hey, look, your citizenship's in heaven. Here's what he's meaning by that. Of course, Rome was conquering everything, and whenever Rome would conquer something, they'd make it a little Rome. They'd have soldiers all over the place that were dressing the part, they'd have the language, they'd have the food, all the customs, everything was little Romes. And so the big thing was these Roman citizenships, these soldiers that would be a soldier for a certain period of time, and then they'd become citizens. And so Paul was saying, hey, look, don't get caught up in the people that don't follow God. Don't get caught up in these people that are doing this stuff. Always remember and don't ever forget that you are a citizen of heaven, not of Rome. You're a citizen of heaven. And how you live is important. 
No, no more evident than what happened to me yesterday. I'm writing this message, right? And I'm sitting here on the fourth point yesterday morning, believe it or not, going, what am I going to do to example this fourth point? And then it happened. My daughter comes up and says, we're going to go pick up my friend from another ballpark before we go to Eli's game, which is where we were headed that morning. I said, sure, let's do it. So we get in the car, and everybody start heading over to the other ballpark, which is not another ballpark, but another eight ballparks that only has one two-lane, actually one-and-a-half-lane road that goes into the eight ballparks and out of the eight ballparks. It happens to be the day that every ballpark has a game going on. It also happens to be the time of day that every game finished and every car was getting out of the parking lot. And as I turned into that one-and-a-half-lane road, going down 400 1,332 cars to get to the eighth ballpark to pick up Abby's friend, I get more and more heated that I'm going to miss my boy's game for the sake of picking up a friend of Abby's to take her to the ballpark. She's not even going to watch the game, and I want to watch the game. You know what I'm saying? So I'm driving around, and I'm going, oh, man, I can't believe we did this. All these cars. And little Noah, one, two, three, four. He's counting the cars. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Going, thanks, Noah. And so I'm sitting here. And, and, so, and, so, um, and so he's over there counting these cars. And I am, and as he's counting the cars, so is the heat level in my head going up. You know what I'm saying? He's going, Daddy, the windows are fogging up. I know it's the steam coming out of my ears, Noah. And so it's like, and so I get to the eighth parking lot. We can't find her car. We don't even know what what ballpark it is that we're picking her up at. And I'm, all my mind is, we're here at 12 o'clock. We're not getting out till two. So I text Kelly. You might as well forget us being there even though we have the chairs and even though we have the food, everything we need for you to sit down and enjoy the game because I'm picking up Abby's friend to go to the game. So my attitude is not Christ-like. My attitude is not God-pleasing. I'm just, can I, have, can I get a witness? Can I get a testimony? Noah would say, it's true. I'm serious because then all of a sudden it happened. I'm going back there and little Noah starts going, man, this stinks. Look at these cars. I mean, and you start hearing him puff and huff. And then the back seat starts fogging up like the front seat does because his ears are steaming. And I'm not, this is not a preacher exaggeration. A little, but it's not. And Noah is going, man, why did we do this? Oh, my goodness. And you hear him doing, just like I was doing and everything. And then I remember. And you know how I remembered? As we're driving out of the ballpark, it happens to be the same place where you, renew your, where you renew your tags and your title for Forsyth County where I live. And there was a big sign that said Forsyth County Tax Commissioner, like official. And it made me realize that I live in Forsyth County, which made me realize that I'm a citizen of coming Georgia, which made me realize that that's not really where my citizenship lies. It lies in heaven which reminded me that I'm not supposed to act like someone who's not from heaven. I'm supposed to be taking that situation into becoming who I'm supposed to be, which is God-pleasing in how I act. So the last 42 cars, my attitude was different. As we're driving out, I start changing it on purpose. I didn't feel it, but I changed it. And by the end of it, we're all singing songs, and Noah's happy, and everybody's happy. And guess what happened? 
it was photo day for our baseball team, so all the games were delayed. We got there, and the game hadn't even started yet. Think about how I felt at that point. Mr. Guy up here preaching this morning, you know, trying to be the example, you know? Paul loved what he did. Paul is going crazy in prison. You're not in prison today, are you? Maybe inside? I, I just, I challenge you like I've challenged myself this week about, about what kind of character, um, what, what we are becoming. I ask it about my kids. My kids, our kids, our kids have more opportunity now, even in the bad comedy, how bad things are in different ways. We have more ways of doing things today than ever before, but what are they becoming? You know, we got to make God's goal our goal. That's what Paul's saying. Get impassioned inside about what God can do inside. Focus on it. Make it your one thing. Don't let the past of what you've done, don't rest on your laurels and don't let your past affect it because it's gone. Remember it only as a reminder of where not to go, but don't use it to cripple you. And you might win more ball games. Always remember who you are. You received this this morning? Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us and being with us. I thank you so much for Paul. I thank you for his life and that you gave him to us as an example of, of a way that we can see what it's like to be Christ-like and God-pleasing. I thank you for all the big people of the Bible that show us that. May our lives not be consumed with what we do, but more importantly, may they be consumed with who we are and what you long for us to become in you so that all the things that you've given us in life, the opportunities, the, the, the relationships, all the things would then be fueled by who we are on the inside, be affected by them. Oh God, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity to please you. For we pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen.